Kung Fu. Show me. We live in the era of the fan. Now more than ever, our voices are heard, and we have a lot to say. With decades of continuity across all of our favorite fictional universes, this podcast is here to take you through what is, what isn't, what could have been, and what is simply canon fodder. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and we are here to show you our mental kung fu as we put together the funnest and craziest theories around one of the greatest movie universes in existence, The Matrix. Welcome to Cannon Fodder. I am your host, Anthony. I'm Ed. Why do we let him do the intros? Because <laughs> I'm so good at it. It makes him feel involved. <laughs> I'm important, okay? I am important. Plus, it's great to see him just go off the cuff and like use words repeatedly like uh, yeah. greatest, greatest and best. best. The greatest, <laughs> most amazing, really, 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 oh really, 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 really. Really. He's like that part of the simulation that didn't have a lot of memory. Yeah, correct. <laughs> that's that's correct. He's from an earlier version of the Matrix. Uh, very, <laughs> very early point in the, the Matrix. The, the, dot, the MS-DOS version of the Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we are here today to talk about <laughs> said Matrix. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the original Matrix, the Matrix Reloaded, the Animatrix, Enter the Matrix, the Matrix Revolutions, the Matrix Resurrections, and anything else we may think connects to this larger world. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) And uh, for our drink of the podcast, we actually got our inspiration from The Matrix Reloaded. We couldn't find uh, any celebrity related to The Matrix who had their own liquor or coffee brand, so we went with French wine. Chris, can you play clip number two? Chateau Aubryon, 1959. Magnificent wine. I love French wine. Becca loves the French language. I have sampled every language. French is my favorite. Fantastic language. Especially to curse with. Nom de Dieu, de putain de bordel, de merde, de saloperie, de connard, d'enculé de ta mère. It's, it's like wiping your ass with silk. I love it. So here's my question. Knowing what we know about the Matrix and how programs were created, the Merovingian is very clearly French, and he states that he sampled every language in existence or whatever, but French is still his favorite. But then you go into the illusion of choice. So did he really choose French to be his favorite, or was there no choice at all because he was already programmed by the architect to be French, thereby making French his personal bias right. or does he identify as french <laughs> yeah no, or well or, I th- yeah i think that's one of the important questions that we have to answer is that do programs have free will 
Right. Is everybody part of the system or are the machines themselves who we are led to believe at the beginning are in control? Right. Are they not in control? Is everybody at the will of the architect? Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to make a joke, and you guys are taking it way too far. Can we drink this wine? <laughs> and, uh, so we did get French wine. I'm not going to pretend to uh, pronounce it, but it's beginning. Uh, uh, Boujolais. Boujolais. It's French wine. And uh, that was in an ode to the architect, and then in an ode to some of the later, more questionable decisions of the Matrix, we were going to drink it out of plastic cups. <laughs> you know, I wonder, I should have, like... Part of me wants to have or wishes that I had prepared for this episode in a different way where all of my comments would have been written in the style of the architect, just pretentious and verbose. <laughs> and like overly complex without the ne like necessity to be complex. Yeah, pretentious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. The very definition of the word. <laughs> so let's cheers to concordantly. Uh, oh. con concordantly, incongruently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Therefore, by which. Vis-a-vis, <laughs> yeah. -vis, this is wine. Vis-a-vis, -vis, French wine. And we are placing our <laughs> French wine on cannon fodder coasters. Soon to be available on the merch store. Made by James Scott, our friend who has a 3D printing business called Low 3D Printing. We will yes. put a uh, link up on our social medias. But yeah, so here we go, guys. Let's get right into it. We're going to have some wine. It's yes. not very good. Uh, it's French. French it's, wine so is some of the best wine, wine in the entire world. And that's what I mean. It's good. Yeah. I, I went with the cheapest French wine. Technically, it's French wine. It it sort of makes me think of... It is a product of France. Sucking on a wet dog's butthole. That's kind of... Oh, I'm looking at the bottle here. That's one of the tasting notes. <laughs> That's Oh, it's it's got nodes You, you have a dog. great palate. <laughs> begs the, so that begs the obvious question is... How do I know what a wet dog's butthole tastes like? I, I was going to say more of, or did you choose to eat a wet dog's butthole or... Oh. Was the choice never really there at all because oh. you were programmed to eat wet dog buttholes? So, so sometimes when you're in the Matrix, man, you're just programmed to do what you got to do. But if we are in the simulation, how did the machines know what wine tastes like? Right. This could be anything. Right. How, how, maybe this is what tasty wheat tasted like. <laughs> we don't really know what tasty wheat tasted like. Yeah. Could it taste like chicken? That's why chicken you, tastes like everything. Yeah, that's why chicken. You remember? You remember like when the Merovingian? I'm sorry. It's just this one of the most absurd parts of the entire series and any of the things we're going to talk about is when the Merovingian gives that smoke show blonde program a piece of cake that gives her an orgasm. It's amazing. I think but, it's one of the best yeah. scenes in any. Movie of course ever. you think that. Of course you think that. <laughs> well, it, it 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 is one of the ways that we see the concrete control. That yeah. some of the programs can have over humans. Yes. Right. Also, it's... But it, was she a human or a program? I assume she was also a program. I assume she was a... Well, either way, she, I mean, it gets into who has yeah. control over what. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But what's also great about that is when you see that, that's also the reason why they get help from his wife is because he pisses her off in that moment. Right. Like, it's amazing how much turned on that moment. Like, yeah. if he hadn't, like, humiliated his wife like that... Oh, cause that's, yeah, cause that, cause yeah. That's the first she wouldn't time. have helped them. Listen, that, hell hath no fury like Monica Bellucci's scorn. Because that's really the first time in the in the series, which is essentially 
halfway through the second movie where you really learn that with the exception because at that point agent smith was the only program that had demonstrated any sort of free will yeah you thought the machines were a monolith up until exactly at that point then you start to learn more about the rest of the universe and the fact then you get to that question well which machines because it's very very obvious that certain machines have free will certain ones don't which i think kind of goes back into that whole concept of the earlier version of the matrix yeah which I think is one of the things that the architect explains in his ridiculous way of speaking about the why the earlier versions were kind of shitty compared to the later versions, right? Because the earlier versions clearly gave people too much, the programs included, too much free will, whereas the later versions were just like, no, this is the way it's going to be. And Resurrections takes that idea even to the next level where they have, you know, leftovers from the previous versions and, and they, all this. They take way too much to the next <laughs> level. Yeah. Well, but let's start off with what I, the best part of the Matrix, which uh, are the first couple of installments. Right off the bat, the original Matrix, 1999, written and directed by the Wachowskis. Um, years after the film, the both siblings came out as transgendered, but I think we'll just refer to them as the Wachowskis all the way through, probably the best way to go. And as since both of them came out as transgendered, that's something that, in retrospect, you notice even more. You know, the estrogen pills are red, like, and, and obviously, you know, your true identity, your true self, picking your true name, all these things that are just baked into the beginning of the Matrix are clearly things that the Wachowskis are thinking, out, thinking of right off the bat. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And then introduce us to the main couple characters, Keanu Reeves as Neo, Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity, Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus, Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith, and Joey Pants as the traitorous cipher. Joey Pants is, he was he was just such a great part of this movie because not only is he the, the, the person who's like, okay with being asleep he's okay with being in the matrix he wants to have you know ignorance is bliss is that famous line that he has right and um i think he was just the perfect actor the the perfect role for for uh he's a guy that gets bit by the zombie doesn't tell anybody else you know (laughs) uh yes (laughs) he's yeah he's like he's like the ultimate heel he now he was great in that movie um the matrix was special because it was groundbreaking in so many ways um just bullet you know time. right the, yeah bullet time the f- like the first movie other than yeah. uh the like J- chinese kung fu movies that had bullet time in it yeah i mean just the use of practical effects in that movie is what really makes it stand out and you really you really understand how important that was when you watch the second movie yeah (laughs) and you see where they just go obviously they've got a bigger budget because of the success of the first one so instead of using their brains to be creative for practical effects they just cgi everything and it is noticeably bad yeah (laughs) yeah noticeably goes downhill and getting to the practical effects, also the production design throughout the original Matrix, you know, it's set in a city that's nondescript. Amazing. You know, yep. you're yeah. able to put together that it's America because they mention the FBI and they mention um, social security numbers. But if and everybody it wasn't speaks for that, English. But if it wasn't for that, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't know. Right. Uh, the, the design is all very old, um, very retro. It's like this, like, cyberpunk film noir mix. Yep. And... They go out of their way to make everything look nondescript. You know, the subway stations are almost a dime a dozen. So many of the hallways are a dime a dozen. Yep. You know, there is an aspect to it where it looks like it would be rendered in a video game. You and, know how, like, in a video game, like, all the hallways in the building look the same just yeah. because that's how they render it? It's very yep. much like that. And one of the things I love, too, is, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I this is the way I view it, is, at least in the first movie, they, again, they completely abandon all of this thought in the second movie and the third movie. But in the first movie, right, in the, in the Matrix, too, it, it feels like there's this 
green filter yes. on everything. Oh yeah, which I think is cool because anytime you see the Matrix code, it's in green. So like to me, that's just a little bit of again. I don't know if that's intentional or not because it doesn't happen at all in the second or third movie. Everything is just much. Every the colors in the second and third movie are so much crisper. Which I I don't I don't mean that in a good way. I think it's a, it's a shitty thing that they did. Um, but in the first movie, yeah, like you said, everything has this sort of nondescript feeling to it. But there's this like this weird green filter over everything, which I really loved. And then you get to the yeah. fourth movie. And it's clearly <laughs> shot in San Francisco, and it looks more real. Yeah, you know, much like the, much more real. They the go alleyways, back to like the every, original. Every, yeah, concept. everything looks looks more real world, which I think works from a story point of view because in the beginning, you're not quite sure what's going on with Keanu's character. Right, right. It becomes pretty clear that he's in the Matrix, but but the first twenty minutes of that movie are the best part of the movie because you don't know what's going on, and having it look drastically different than the original Matrix helps. Uh, put forward the theory. Oh, could he be in some sort of real world? Well, because is it right. isn't it, and isn't the Matrix in the fourth movie supposed to be like a new Matrix essentially? Yes, it's and, yeah. and we have a new architect and right. everything is new. So, so you're right. It does make sense as to why it wouldn't have that like green tint anymore. Right. Which it doesn't make sense that there's a new architect because in the last movie, the architect. Like, he survived. Like, he and the Oracle, like, that's the final scene is you see them talking, and then he walks away and walks into the sunset. Well, well they mentioned this civil war. Yeah. So, you know, after a civil war, you would have a change in the in the guard, if you will, right? right. Like, so it seems like, no, you're right. The, but the previous Matrix, that was on schedule. Like, they would redo the Matrix on, on a schedule because that was part of the loop. Right. Whereas this new Matrix was because Neo had fucked things up and kind of won. Yep, and therefore this newest version of the Matrix was a response to something unplanned. And you could also look at it from the perspective too, like in the in the third movie, right? Obviously, this happened um, because of the untimely death of the actress that played the Oracle in the first two movies. But she makes a point of being like, "Oh, I just changed the way that I look because I can do that because I'm a program, right?" Like, yeah, right. So that sort of stuff can happen all the time, which is why, like, you know, Agent Smith looks different, right, and things like that. But obviously, well, he's a different a, agent. It is a different Agent Smith. It's a new version of the Matrix, except for the. The one scene in the new one where the fucking Merovingian shows up and yeah, he's like amazing. homeless and tattered. Yeah, like, and old. It's just great. Just like, what has that actor just been doing great. for the last 15 years? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so yeah, let's get back to the order a little bit. I love The Matrix. I think it was so successful and so good. You need to make a sequel, but standalone, it's just so great. The ending is great. Yeah. Him flying away. It's an all time. Kind of that open ended and just. It's it's such it's such a basic concept of you know like machines in the future fighting humans. It's very Terminator like, but it's just it it's groundbreaking, visually stunning, and uh, I think it's by far the best part of the series. I think it was one of the first movies that had us ask a lot of theoretical. Uh, questions around computers, mm -hmm. right? And because it was really just the dawn of the internet, you know, 1999, the internet had just been a thing for like a like a mainstream popular thing for probably two or three years at that point. Yeah, um, really picking up speed. It was before the dot com bubble burst, and everybody was interested in the way that that computers were going to take over everything, and it asked a lot of of you know, very theoretical and and sort of um, philosophical. You know, yeah, it's very, it's well, very philosophical. philosophical yeah. it's but a, you know, it's not just about. I mean, because that idea of the transgendered identity that that they bring into it from their personal lives 
also just plays into all different types of philosophy. It just, oh, it just plays into identity in person. It plays into a modern world where the internet is 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 making things, and American culture is making things more homogenized. Yeah, like all these things. Like it's re- like all of these things are related, but individual at, yeah. at the same time. And like this idea of identity and individuality within a larger complex system that the world is becoming is at the center of the matrix, and that's why I think it, it plays so well. Well, yeah, it obviously also it obviously also pulls inspiration from my T-shirt, which Hey-o. is. Heyo, they live, they live, right? The whole concept of, like we were just talking about with Joey Pants, the whole concept of most people just want to go about their lives and not give a shit about anything around them or how anything impacts anything except for themselves, when in reality there's a much bigger world out there and your perception of the world, if it's small and narrow, is not the way that it actually is. And some people are totally fine with that, and the rest of us might want to wake up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. You know, one of the the cool things about The Matrix, when I first saw this, and I'll I'll never forget where I was and and how I saw this movie, so I had not heard anything about it. I had zero concept of what this movie was or anything like that, and I saw it in the movie theater. I went with my older brother and uh, a few of his friends. And, um, you know, I went and I watched this movie, and the way that it started off, I, I remember really threw me because it was one of the first times that you see a character that is being represented as the bad guy sort of in the beginning of the movie because you see Trinity and she's kicking the crap out of cops. You don't know that cops are like right. the actual bad guys. And uh, as like a typical, at that time, at that time, <laughs> at that time. You're bugging. Yeah. <laughs> but what year did the Matrix come out? 99. Yeah. <laughs> cops were the bad guys. Not in movies, they weren't. They That's were true. always the good guys. They, and ho- they always showed up, you know, too late. That's because so, Hollywood is Also, the cops were going after a white woman, so they probably had a reason. Oh, that's true. I mean, that's, that's you know. Wow. If they were going after Morpheus in the first scene, then you'd know that they Racism were Yeah, then you, then you know hey, it makes hey. much more sense. <laughs> no, but... <That's> racist! <laughs> But I mean, it was just such a cool concept, and uh, yeah, just just absolutely blew me away. And the Yunwo Ping. Now, I was a big um, martial arts and kung fu movie fan before I went and saw The Matrix. I had seen a lot of the John Woo flicks. I had seen Hard Boiled. I had seen a lot of those movies, and um, just the, the the getting a chance to see him do a mainstream, big budget American film. And all of the wire work that had never been done in the U.S. in any sort of action movie before was just it, it just transcended. It was really, really something that I'll never forget. And from a storytelling point of view, the way they were able to bring in kung fu to like an American city and a bunch of yeah. American actors made a lot of sense because there's this idea that both the agents and the people from the resistance inside the Matrix are capable of dodging bullets to a degree. Right. So therefore, bullets do not have the same impact as a weapon in this matrix world. So therefore, hand-to-hand combat uh, becomes becomes more important. As does you know the ability to jump long distances and all that stuff. That's how you were able to like push the limits of the matrix. So they were able to bring in all this cool-looking kung fu that that American culture has been obsessed with since the seventies, but in a way that made more sense than normal. It's not just, it's not just some like random guy in Harlem who now knows kung fu. It's like no, this is a storyline that makes sense. Right. You know, and again, on the the philosophical note, you know, one of the cool things that um, Agent Smith talks about when he captures Morpheus and they're in that that skyscraper building um, in that 
awesome scene with like the helicopter right before that he talks about earlier renditions of the matrix and what it looked like and it was designed to be a near utopian society it was perfect but people did not buy into it people did not believe it because people don't believe in a perfect world you need struggle you need that illusion of free choice in order to accept the reality around you yeah and I, I mean, I, I thought like his whole like monologue with with Morpheus in that room uh, lays really a lot of the theoretical groundwork for what the entire universe is. Yeah. It really builds out the world. Yeah, a it's, lot of things that we start getting into. In it's the, the smell, if there is such yeah. a thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, his it, it, so Hugo, Hugo Weaving was just a app. He was the highlight of all three movies, to Absolutely. be honest, even the shitty third one. Um, but he was such a good villain. The way he, the way he articulated, like the way he spoke, it was just enough to make you believe that he was a machine, but. Having again more like uh, compared to the other agents, he emoted so much more. He was almost corrupted by his yeah interaction with mankind. He yeah, became less machine like. But right. normally in fiction, because he was frustrated. Normally in fiction, when the machine becomes more human like, that makes him into a hero. Right, like Bicentennial Man or anything else, or right. you know, or the Terminator. Right, whereas. In this, when the machine becomes more human, he becomes more villainous. Right, because he's like, like, like we, like we were just saying, his whole thing. He was like, "We made you a perfect, um, like we made you a perfect world, and you assholes didn't like it. Like yeah. it was literally perfect. Yeah. And like, what is wrong with you guys for not enjoying this? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's it kind of goes into that concept. You know, like why would God let innocence die? Right. Well, the reason we have to let innocence die is in order to accept the world that has been created. Yeah. The one question I never really, like, fully understood, not understood, but, like, I they never really explain it, and I guess it's okay. It's just one of the things. It's like I've always kind of wrapped my head around, like, why some people, like, when they, when they go into the Matrix, right? Well, I guess the concept of the one is probably the reason. So I was trying to understand, like, why would they... Everybody that goes into the Matrix is able to, like we said, jump further distances, like have, you know, enhanced yeah. strength and like speed and blah, 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 blah. But everybody except for like Neo has the has a limit to that, right? right. But it's like, I guess the, the, the point I'm trying to make is like when you think about the whole thing with like the machines and like control and everything else, if they are essentially in control of the Matrix and people, you know, they've found a way. Is it because they've hacked in? Like, why would the machines even allow them to have these abilities? Is well, it because yeah. they've hacked in? Is that how that... Well, I've always that viewed it... Is that how you view that? I've always viewed it as... Uh, so, an analogy for enlightenment. You know, the people who are outside the Matrix, the resistance going in, are enlightened. So, there's that yeah. whole philosophical analogy. But in terms of, like, the nuts and bolts of the world of the Matrix, it's a system. And they say this, a system has to be built on rules. Right. right. So the reason why the why the agents can't just com- be completely like terminators where they like where the bullets can like bounce off them or the bullets can be absorbed or they can't like fly and like shoot lasers in their eyes like Superman is because the the world needs to exist in the same way that you can't have the world be a utopia and have humans accepted. The world uh, needs, I see where you're going with The this. world needs to have gravitational laws, yeah. all those types of things. Yep. And 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 because of that the, so it's like the same thing that the agents 
the same thing that lets the agents, you know, have right. powers allows them also, to also allows them to yep. because once they learn, yeah. it's like and, it's like writing one hundred and one. You establish the rules right. of your universe and just make sure you live within them. That makes sense. I like that. And too. then they get into that a lot in one of the things we're about to talk about, the Animatrix. Right. But we're, I want to mention all of the things that were released in two thousand three at one time because this gets into our bread and butter. This is where the Matrix canon was really groundbreaking, as groundbreaking yep. visually. And from a special effects point of view and visual effects point of view, as the original Matrix was in 1999, their releases in 2003 were continuity touchstones that are still kind of unrivaled when it comes to modern day cinematic universes. So they do the normal thing. uh, They shoot uh, the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix Revolutions in the at the same time. Yep. Right, back to back, back to back, and back then to back, released in the same year. That's yeah. kind of normal, especially with some of these like books that are being uh, made into movies now nowadays. Yep. But where they went a step further is that they also shot on the same set at the same time live action cutscenes for a video game called Enter the Matrix. Yep. That directly weaves into the storyline. One of the best games. And yeah, really good. 2003 also saw the release of The Animatrix, a collection of nine short films that exist in the world of The Matrix. And not only do these short films, one in particular that I want to get to, get into like these rules of the world and how the tweaks affect other people, but, but one of the storylines directly ties into what happens in the rest of the movies. Mm-hmm. So a couple of them do, actually. And yeah, yeah, well, they, yeah, they do, but very specifically... What happens is that at the beginning of The Matrix Reloaded, you learn that the machines are now burrowing down, and later you learn, this is something they do every couple years, (laughs) they're burrowing down to destroy Zion, Right. and the reason the Resistance learns about it is because in the animated Final Flight of the Osiris that's on the Animatrix, a, a ship, the Osiris, discovers it, they go into the Matrix as they sacrifice themselves. Yep. They leave a drop. They leave a message that tells Zion about what's about to happen. Then, in the Enter the Matrix video game, which is released in between The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions, you play as, uh, and we're going to be very polite to her, we don't want Will Smith um, punching us or yeah. hitting us, Jada Pickett Smith, <laughs> no Captain Niobe's no. ship. Yes. That ship then goes into the Matrix, get the drop box, and then, and then brings it to Zion. And that entire game, the Enter the Matrix, weaves in and out of the Matrix Reloaded and leads right up to the Matrix Revolutions. So what happens is that this message is found in a a cartoon, um, then picked up in a video game. Yep. Then becomes the basis for the second movie, which is continuity and cannon fodder at its best. Yeah, I mean, it it was really incredible. Like, a very original sort of concept and the way that they did it. And the cool thing is is that that was their idea from the get-go. Oh, yeah. They directed this cutscenes in the video game. They were totally connected to everything. Now, the... um, The... The concept for an anthology sort of animated film that was not original in any way, shape, or form. No. However, making it connected and furthering the story for a connected universe was. That was a very original concept. The first time it had ever been done was really cool. Yeah, the animation styles, and we'll just concentrate on the animatrix right now. The animation styles are vastly different. The settings are vastly different. There's the second Renaissance parts one and two. Yep. And that is a... It's almost like a historical document, almost yep. like a documentary, looking back yep. on what they call the Second Renaissance, which is machine AI becoming sentient, becoming aware, 
and basically it's your typical Terminator like in, inspired story where you know the the machine becomes self aware. Yeah. Reminded me a lot. And of um, what's interesting is that from its point of view, the humans look terrible, which might be because you know the Victor writes the story. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, what happens is that you know like the the AI are a a class that are um, that are not respected and and they're kind of like it's almost like a Jim Crow type laws. Oh, yeah. totally. Like the yeah, way they're yeah. and, and then they are kicked out of human society after they start getting sentience. They become a rival power and they go to war with all of mankind. Mm-hmm. And and then so it tells the entire storyline over 20 minutes of how of how these machines start as subservient lower class being um being victims of human oppression. Then they they start their own um, country in the Middle East. They become a economic rival to to mankind, and then at the end they go to war with with mankind, and, and they end up winning the war. Obviously, it's it's so great because when you when you watch that and you see some of the things that like mankind is depicted as doing, you're like, this would totally happen. <laughs> like right. we Absolutely. would we would totally just be stupid fucking assholes about it. Like governments, yeah. not normal people. Governments would just be complete douches about it and have no real reason to other than the fact that like oh we want to be again in control and we're losing some of that control so like you know we're just going to exterminate all of you and then oh, oh sucks sucks to be us yeah <laughs> well yeah well unfortunately the his- the history of mankind uh, is filled with m- people denying the humanity of other people yep yep so it's not hard to believe that people would deny the humanity of machines a hundred percent yeah no that's exactly how it would pan out yeah and you know i uh, the the second renaissance is one of my favorite parts of the animatrix because it does tell you a lot of that um historical backstory um i the other one that i particularly love in the animatrix was the well there's there's a bunch obviously but the the Noir detective story. A detective story. Yes, that one is probably my favorite because it it gives you a bit of continuity that you like sort of knew about but never really sort of understood. And it's this this thought of um, the ability of the agents to take over people at any given time. Right. Right. So in the first movie, you see this a lot, especially like in the chase scene with Neo, where the agents can just morph into anybody in the, that's in the matrix. Yeah. But they never really explain how that works in terms of, can they only do it for other programs? Right. Or can they also do it to people that are real human beings in the matrix? And does that rule apply to the people that are jacked into the matrix, like Morpheus's team? Obviously that's not the case because if that was, they would have just done that right away. Right. You know, so you can rule yeah. that one out. But the real question kind of remains, you know, can they do that to people that are in the matrix asleep or is it just for programs right so um i, I don't know i'm asking the question what do you guys think I well i think they can but... because that is why um in specifically in this a detective story which has carrie Ann moss playing trinity yeah trinity shoots the detective right because yeah. this is the scene yeah because he was hired by the agents unknowingly to look after trinity to look up trinity yep he finds trinity through a series of um um Alice in Wonderland uh, references, which is something they kind of um, moved away from in the later movies, but like in this yeah. in this one Animatrix bit, they're really into it, yeah. and and they went back yeah. to obviously in the fourth movie with the White Rabbit, right? And then what happens is that she is on the run with him on a train, and she has to end up shooting him because he's about to turn into an agent. 
Right. So yes, it means that until you're out of the system, that's also why when um when Neo is first picked up and they're under the bridge in the rain in the first movie. Yeah. The reason why they have a gun trained on him until they take that right is out because he could is because he could train at any moment. But so here's the so here's the so I totally agree with that. But here's the follow up question that I've always I don't think they've ever fully answered. Okay. When they do that to somebody that is you know yeah. a person like that, do does that person's consciousness ever have the opportunity to come back yes. the next time an agent transfers in yes, somebody they're else. just borrowing the body right and then what you've seen on screen before is that if they shoot that agent which trinity does it goes the back Matrix, to the right and then it's exactly. a dead person with the, with the bullet in the head right but the, but you've also seen uh them leave them before for instance i was just uh go, playing um enter the matrix today and one of the cutscenes in the airport Involves the agent morphing back into a police, you know, yep. a police, be so that the agent can then be on the plane. Yep. So yes, so so it's like somebody's just taken over temporarily, and that's I where that. I think one of the bigger mistakes that they made in both the most recent sequel as well as in Resurrections was uh, the fact that there was too many agents. Right in the first movie, just as you're talking about, where it can bounce from person to person. It gives a very finite feel to the number of agents that are existing in the Matrix. And it buys them time. time. So that in the helicopter scene when exactly. he shoots them all, they have to turn into somebody outside the hallways and they have to run in. Well, right. And it, and it, it also has to make, be somebody that sees, like right. they have to have yeah. like line of sight on whoever the yeah. person and is. And it also there. makes them a scarier bad guy because yeah. there's such a finite number of them, but they yeah. could technically be anybody. That makes him a better bad guy because if they were just an army of agents, it'd be stupid. Yeah, it gives him more of that Michael Myers feel, right? Where it's it's like that slowly, you can't get away, but they're going to be constantly following you no matter where you go, right? Rather than just an army of agents that you have to fly around like Superman. Which again, which again goes back to like the whole, you know, the the machines are just like. So are they just like masochistic? Like they're just they're just idiots, right? Because it's like if they really wanted to control everybody and not have to deal with the annoyance of human civilization, they would just have an army of agents to fucking crush the people that are coming in. No, so I think that the I think that the the the, the machines they like this is their game, right? Like they they just they don't really care about a perfect society or whatever. They just like to fuck with people. <laughs> no, this is this is like Palpatine in Star Wars. Um, the good, the good one, not the bad stuff in the in the Abrams. <laughs> yeah. Um, they talk about, and we've referenced it a little bit, but we'll get to it when we go full on into Matrix Reloaded. The resistance is just another level of control. So I think, to a certain extent, the reason why the agents aren't super overpowered is because if they were that overpowered, there would be no resistance. However, if they operate in a way where you know like the resistance has a chance here or there then it plays up that whole idea that people have a choice right but i right. guess my my point is though is that like they so they they just they, they enjoy just punishing people they don't really care about agent anything smith else does. yeah right like they just <laughs> yeah that's true agent smith certainly does yeah and then finishing up with a detective story it's diesel punk so it's like black and white yes yeah film noir yeah. and the computer is not a modern day computer. The keyboard looks like a typewriter. Mm-hmm. Yep. They have like old cathode ray um, monitors. They have 1920s style trains. Yep. Um, it's clear that both the style of dress and style of architecture is straight out of New York in the 20s and 30s. You know, Philip Marlowe. Yep. Um, that type of thing. 
And the fact that Trinity interacts in this world, and there are agents in this world, and this is and this is apparently connected to the Matrix, this brings up a, a theory that I've had for a while, and I wonder what you guys think about it, is that even within the world of the Matrix, like in like while the first movie is happening and like all these people are asleep and, and, and their energy is being used to power all of the machine's world, right? I think there are different versions of the Matrix, perhaps in different timelines. And maybe when the agents, I'm sorry, when the resistance members go in, they go into different versions. So this, a detective story, exists in a world of the Matrix that is unconnected to the one we see in the movie, yeah. but that they can jack into both because it's visually and from a timeline point of view, yeah, totally a different. different version of humanity. But that then implies think- that the real world time has not changed, but the timeline within the different versions of yeah. the Matrix are manipulated and Maybe it's like a Westworld thing. Yeah. There's like, yeah. you know, there's a Westworld, a space world, and a future yeah. world. Like right. Do you there think- are different there are different places yeah. that these people are caught in. Do you think that there's different iterations of the one in each version of the Matrix? That 100% is canon because you even see them reacting to the um, architect in The Matrix Reloaded. Right. Now, and was he, that always previous look, versions of always, the same Matrix? That's the yes, way that I and interpret they, and they always And they always look like Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and he always ends up in that room with uh, the architect, and he is the first one to not decide to restart Zion. He is the first one who decides to fly and save uh, Trinity because his his is the first version that has a Trinity. Right. 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 Now, wouldn't it, like, if every single version of the one looked like Keanu Reeves, wouldn't it be a lot easier to, you know, find the one? No, because the agents looking for the one don't know that he is something that's happened five times. Um, yeah, only the architect. The architect that. and and um, the oracle are the only ones who know. Except, and I guess maybe some Smith. higher, whatever, <laughs> the, whatever the government is, right? So, like, obviously, the higher powers know, but the grunts on the ground don't know, right? And and so they would never tell the grunts on the ground because they want the one to cause all this chaos. Right, and then they rebuilt reboot the world. Like right. they want Which, him to, they want him to be successful enough. Right, so they don't want him to be snuffed out right off the bat. Which goes back to the whole Agent Smith thing, where Agent Smith is aware of previous versions of the Matrix, but not necessarily of the One. But that's why he becomes sort of uncontrollable because right. he becomes, in for whatever reason, however it is, um, becomes more self-aware than other agents, and like learns, like, okay, wait, if there's other versions yeah. of the Matrix, maybe this has whole this whole thing has happened before. Right. He right. So when he says that, you're right. When he says about about you know like it was a utopia it's clear that he knows some version of the story right but but he doesn't know all of the story but right? doesn't he only know some version of the story because neo like jumps inside his body no he knew that beforehand yeah. oh that's right that's right when he's, right. When he's doing yeah. that yeah so, but, but you can infer that neo jumping inside his body and i don't know some part of you overwritten onto me yeah. something yeah. copied that's when he starts to that get was, the real awareness of everything else that was that was such a yada 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 moment like like oh somehow the emperor has returned you know like yeah well, except, except they didn't say somehow mr smith has returned yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of what they did that's yeah. pretty much exactly what they did but also it, it, it's just much better Let's just not even compare it. It's not even fair. <laughs> and, and so we talked about the final fight of the Osiris. So all of these 
Animatrix shorts, all available on HBO Max. Highly recommend. They're all great. But but one last one I want to talk about is the one called Beyond, because it gets back to something we talked about earlier, which is it's a story of a haunted house Mm. that is actually just a glitch in the Matrix. And it gets into this idea that all of the stories- the one with the girl and the cat? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's set in perhaps Tokyo, and because it's definitely a Japanese aesthetic- her, so it's it's a it's a girl living in an apartment. She loses her cat. She finds her cat in this house that's abandoned, where these kids are. Um, they think it's like haunted. Basically, the gravity is off. They can like jump and they can like not hit the ground. There's there's these like portals and stuff. All these things that like imply ghosts and vampires and werewolves. And the whole idea is that th- these glitches occur from time to time throughout mm-hmm. the Matrix, and that is where humanity's um, stories of haunted houses and of the beyond and all that come from. Like, there's even almost a theory as though, like, maybe our religions are based off of, you know, this idea of the beyond. Well, that's what right? they talk yeah. about in the Matrix. supernatural unmask comes from just computer glitches. And they talk about that in Matrix Reloaded, too, with the rogue programs and mm-hmm. how you, the stories of vampires, yep. werewolves, and all that shit. Yeah, which and, I but, love. But what I, I, I thought that was so cool. What I find hilarious about that element of it, especially in the Matrix Reloaded, is, like, Again, just one of the things that makes you think it's like, how stupid are the machines sometimes? Yeah. Because it's like, you know, they they talk about, oh, vampires, werewolves, right? So you're like, okay, wait, so are these guys actual vampires? And Monica Bellucci is like, oh, yeah, I've got silver bullets in my gun. Blap. And you're like, okay, but why would they, like, why would they just keep that weakness? Like, that's so fucking stupid. <laughs> well, that's the whole point, right, is that they, they get, do get rid of that weakness, right? And the modern-day agents are, they don't have that weakness. Those are the upgrades, right? Right. No, but not the agents. I'm talking about, like, the, the, like the vampires and stuff or whatever. It's like well, oh, well, you know well, what? Because instead of instead of like re or or instead of doing a patch for a program, they simply rewrote the program. Also, oh, that makes sense. Also, yeah. also, whoever initiated or initially invented that program, they want a way to control them. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So they would want there to be a silver bullet. Yeah, it, quite literally. Yeah. yeah. So they want <laughs> that so that they can control them. So yeah. So but yeah. So I I, I um. I recommend all of these. Uh, we mentioned Carrie Ann Moss, but also um, Keanu Reeves. His voice is in one, too. There's um, that kid who follows Keanu Reeves around in The Matrix Reloaded. We actually find out how he leaves yeah. The Matrix. I yeah, mean, that was a good So this, is, this is great. Like, it, it, it ties in in all different ways. It really it really explores the world of The Matrix. And, and at the end of the episode, we'll get into where we'd like to see the series go next. I think the obvious answer, especially given that the movie wasn't received so well, is we have a huge amount of time between the Matrix uh, Revolutions and the Matrix Resurrections. Mm-hmm. Right. I would love to see an Enter the Matrix video game and an Animatrix um, 2.0 that just covers that period of time. Like a bunch of stories, Yep. same type of thing that takes place in between the world. You can see what happened to Morpheus. You can see what happened to Zion. Right, because you need, cause you need to understand what... You know what had happened because the the thinking right the way I would look at it is that after the events of revolutions that th- third yeah revolutions yeah. the third one right um, the machines are going to find a way to like patch holes so to speak right yeah. Yeah. letting people in or whatever but the people from Zion still exist so they reference you know that civil war and whatnot so the, it's like yeah. when like what leads up to that and how do humans 
find a way back into the Matrix, and more importantly, like why do they care? Yeah, right? well, if they how, made, where does Neil Patrick characters right Neil Patrick Harris characters like if they've made peace from? with the machines yeah. allegedly at the end of of the end of revolutions, why do they still need to have the ability to go into the Matrix to free minds and stuff? Right, just right. have civilization and Zion exist as that is, and people that are there are there. And what I think yeah. happens, and obviously you don't know, which is why you want to see Matrix 2.0, is that like there is some initial peace, right? And then there's a there's an there's a sentient machine civil war that then ruins the peace that mankind has, right? And that's where we end up. But yeah. but either way, we, I would love to see it. I mean, it's a great way to get Lawrence Fishburne back. Obviously, Jada Pickett Smith is is still in the series, so you know, I mean that that's how this canon stuff works. Have her voice be in it. You know, because that obviously General Niobe would be a whole thing. But yeah, so Animatrix. And then before we get into The Matrix Reloaded, let's get into Enter the Matrix, the video game, which was for yeah. PC, GameCube, PlayStation 2, and Xbox. I actually still have an Xbox, and I played the game the previous couple weeks just to get ready. And it's amazing. The The gameplay is very rudimentary by today's standards. And obviously, you know, we're talking several generations back in terms of the, um, in terms of the graphics right. yep. and all that. But... Yep. The cutscenes are all filmed, so yeah. they have a couple of, I guess, you know, like they have a couple of like mini cutscenes that are that are digital, you know, like the characters. But they have tons of live action cutscenes. In fact, it's two discs on the GameCube because of all that information. Yeah, it's so it, it great. was shot in thirty five millimeter film by the Wachowskis with all of the actors from the Matrix Reload and the Revolutions. They, they were filming three thing, things at the same time, and most of the cutscenes you see are actually take place on the. Uh, the ships yep. right. and in Zion. So that's how you know they right. save money. You know, like they they shoot these cutscenes. Um, so all of the special effects of the jumping and the bullet time, that happens as you're playing the game. And the cutscenes are all more like live action, very simple shot stuff on like, you know, the Zion and, and the ships. So that's how they save money. But it's amazing. And there's also another aspect to it that's great. There are two versions of the game. I only finished one on this replay. Right. Because you can play as two different characters. Exactly. Either Niobe or who's the Ghost. 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 Who's right. played by Anthony Wong. They're both characters in uh, Reloaded and Resurrections. And the idea is Niobe is like the one who is the, the better. Uh, she, she's like the more like on the ground. She's the commander. Right. And the really good pilot uh, and driver is Anthony Wong. And so it's different. Like, if you play as Ghost, you end up driving more. If you yep. play as Niobe, you end up shooting more. But, yeah, so it's yeah. like and, – and they split up and they come back together. And so it's – and – And there's different missions, which is right. awesome. Yeah, and, it, yeah, it tells two completely different yeah. stories. It's really – it was one of the first games that did that, that right. gave you the option to play as either a male or female character. And then during the game – uh, when they show the cutscene of you know they successfully get that their first mission within the video game is you successfully get the the uh, message to Zion. Yep. And then you transmit it to Zion. You watch it and it's a clip from the anime. Yeah. Final Flight of the Osiris because it's, so it's made in that it's made in a style where it looks real. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it, so all that is wonderful. And then if you beat the game, the end of the game has a clip of unseen footage from the Matrix Revolutions because. Right. Uh, the way this release worked is that The Matrix Reloaded was released first. The Animatrix was released on DVD, and Enter the Matrix came out for the systems afterwards. And then right. Revolutions came out later. So when you finish Enter the Matrix, you get a clip for Revolutions that you only get if you watch the game. Yep, yep. which is it's so great. great. So, it, it, and so it has like a, a tie-in continuity-wise that, that you don't get. Even today, I mean, there's nothing. You know, the MCU has not 
gotten into the video game world in this way. Right. Yeah. They, and they, they've gotten a little bit in with animated stuff now and all that stuff. Okay. I, still I don't done... think that there's been any other video game that has crossed over into a live-action film universe that has been canon, that has been no. accurate to the, the universe and the storyline. There's been adaptations. There's been some Indiana Jones games that like okay. yeah. potentially exist in the world. Sure, I, I remember um, playing one on the, the, my yeah, PC yeah, there's been there's, there's been things that are close, but nothing to this level. Like, like everything that happens in the video game, even the live-action cutscenes, like, like, that's unheard of. Like, yeah. like yeah. nobody has ever filmed footage on a film set specifically for a video game. This yeah. is the one and only. And Given that, um, you know, I'm jumping... sure that can't be true. There has to be other incidences. No, that's the only filming. one, as far as I can tell. This is the only one. Mm. And then there is, and this gets into a recent release, which is there was an Unreal Five engine um, kind of demo that was released uh, for for the newest PlayStation and Xbox right around the time of Matrix Resurrections, and it's called The Matrix Awakens, and it's a very simple. Simple demo. It's more cutscenes than anything else, just to show off the new Unreal Five engine. But it has, but it was directed and written by Lana Wachowski, and it has Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss, and that makes you want to play a new game because, yeah, it, it, like if, if they were to make a game set in the Matrix world with this new Unreal Five engine, you would really want to play it. But yeah, so I, I def- definitely recommend it. It's, it's a free download. Also, if you don't have the consoles, you can go on YouTube and you can watch it. The Matrix Awakens, it's great. Christian, did there you is there in? is another franchise with a video game tie-in that's canon to the movies. That's the only one What's... I could think of. Saw. Oh. Saw now, did Saw have live-action footage? No, not live-action footage, but the video games tie into the story, too. That's amazing. I, I did not know that. What? What? The fuck could a Saw video game possibly be? I'm not. I didn't even know there th- were Saw video games. Hey, listen, I was curious <laughs> too, and I was like, "That's worth a Google." And apparently, Saw is like majorly involved in, with its video games as well, not just with its films. It's de- wow. there's de- there's definitely a scene like you, you know you know in some video games you got to do like press X a bunch of times like you oh, know yeah. the scene where you're where you're sawing your own foot off like just press X to saw your own foot off just like. <laughs> <laughs> that like, like what? to keep running down the hallway. Yeah, I mean like those those movies are barely entertaining on their own. I can't imagine what you'd playing like the only way that could possibly be entertaining is if you are playing the uh uh, what's the guy? The villain? Jigsaw. Thing? Jigsaw, you're right? Yeah, if you're people? as Jigsaw, yeah, not and even you're figuring torturing. out creative ways to torture people. Not even torturing people. Like, like where you have to kidnap people. Like that would be the only way that it would be fun. Unless, unless they made it like that Punisher video game, where you could, where you could interrogate people by like slamming their oh, head into man, the ground that or like so good. putting them in wood chippers. Like that would be the only it's way fun, that game is fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> having them hit by a There's, rhinoceros. I think yes, that was one of my favorites. There's apparently, one more. Okay. Uh, and it's from your boy John Carpenter. Oh, baby. Oh. Uh, he says the Thing video game is canon. Oh, that's uh, right. That's, it was. That's yes, recent, that's, that's actually. A recent, that's a recent. Well, thing. no, it was. It was like 2003 as well. Well, recent the, the, in terms. Well, no, of like I'm sorry. Anything. In terms of the Thing itself. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? The Thing was like, made in like 1982 yeah. or something. Right. Sorry, and, yeah. and didn't they come out with like a either a remake or a sequel? It was a prequel. It was a prequel. Yeah. So the Thing, the Thing that came out in 2011. Yes. Is actually the story that takes place. Right before the movie, right. So, right, right, with, with the helicopter taking off. What's that story? Right, and it's actually pretty cool, except for the fact that all the practical effects that they did for that movie were then covered over completely with CGI. Ugh, and yeah. it's such a disappointment. Ugh, yeah, there was that period in time where we're we're getting away from it now a little bit, but there was that period in time where um, 
every director was just like, I'm just going to do CGI everything. Like, yeah, because it was like the cool is. new thing. Yeah, it was the do. cool new shiny yeah. fun thing to do. And it just, it, sometimes it worked. You know, like, I mean, sometimes it worked. Like, some, but a lot of times it just, it was terrible. Well, yeah, yeah well, one uh, problem now is that video games have gotten so complex that the lead time. It takes a long time. A game yes. Actually, is longer than it takes to make a movie now. Yeah. So that's why, like, movie adaptations of, or sorry, video game adaptations of movies, like it used to be, like you know, you would release the soundtrack, the video game, oh, wait. action figures, and the movie all at the same time. But now, yeah, games wait, and we're... tend to come out with movies, but they can't be direct adaptations because the storyline is so different. And we totally missed something. Like the last point on the video game canon, the uh, Jedi Fallen Order is. Absolutely canon of the Star Wars universe. Oh, that's right. such a good point. It yeah. is canon. Nailed yes. it. Yeah. yeah. But no, no, no live action cutscenes. Yeah. But, but it's, it is 100% it's not movie canon. canon, too, in the sense where, like, it's all brand new characters. Well, you no, know, yeah. it, you know, it's absolutely movie canon. No, 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 no. But what, you're totally right. But what I mean is just like, what, well, Vader. What I want to see more of is. Oh, that, it, like, it has no direct impact on the movies. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right, it right, it right, wasn't right. part of a movie release, but that's correct. Yeah. But in terms of the live action cutscenes and direct direct connection you know it's like the fact that the you learn from the movies what happens with the osiris and all this stuff right the only way you learn about exactly what happened with the osiris is if you watch a cartoon right exactly. a video game, which right. is actually which is which is very cool yeah, yeah. No, and, and, and it's a great way especially like in at the time that it came out yep it was a great way it was a great marketing tool because it was like everybody is gonna want to do this and i oh I, yeah i was one of those people i bought the animatrix i played into the matrix probably like a dozen times oh, man, yeah. i love like it was so such much. a great fucking game really the, really cool and the other game i played a bunch of too Again, less connected to the movies, still technically canon, but like a total was entered was uh, I'm sorry, the Path of Neo, right? Like it, you know, it, it gave you a little bit of stuff that you didn't necessarily get in the movies. And it's all technically canon, but again, no, nothing that was direct impact or nothing that you like. There's nothing groundbreaking that you learned in the. My favorite part about about the Path of Neo was the fact that the big Agent Smith fight scene in Matrix Reloaded was. Well, once they turned to all CGI, it was so fucking bad. Yeah, it was but so bad. In that game, it was one of the most fun fight fights in any game I've ever played because they technically let you do it forever. Yeah, you 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 ended that level when you decided to. As long as you didn't die, you could keep fighting Agent Smiths forever. <laughs> and yeah, and then awesome. let's get into it now that you know. So let's finish up our discussions. We've talked around. Revolutions and Reloaded. Let's right. just kind of finish off because they're really one story. Yeah. So one. Yes. So one thing is, um, one problem right off the bat is the the visual effects of Neo flying and fighting oh. are and terrible movie. in both oh, movies. God, they are really they yeah. are really bad. Yes. Yeah. Noticeably bad. Yeah. yeah. Right. And the fight scene in the the park, right in the the basketball court. Yes. Right? Is just the worst. Somehow the Agent Smiths look okay. Yeah. And they're and the ones where everybody's face is replaced. Yeah. But the Neo looks scene, terrible. And that and fight Neo's scene starts terrible. off really good when it, when he's only fighting like a dozen or so Agent yeah. Smiths. And then when like 50 of them come in and it goes full CGI, then it gets really bad. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing just... And it's just so drawn out. It's so over the top. And it feels... Inconsequential, right? Yeah. Like he feel it feels like every punch he's throwing doesn't mean anything. Yeah, you know, it, which was a problem. It was it, in a lot of kung fu movies, right? Yeah. Back in the day, right? And that's why Bruce Lee came in and, and changed the way that they were done because he wanted less punches to, and he wanted them to be more meaningful, right? Right. 
And so, so blocking becomes yeah. a thing. Blocking becomes a part of the art. Right. right. Exactly. Right. And so like now it's like you have all of these like. You know he's hitting them, and, and it just it doesn't mean anything. And it was it was but, really frustrating. And he's supposed to be the one, and he's supposed to yeah. be like godlike, and he's hit the god mode, and he just hasn't. But the fight scene with Neo and all of the Merovingians lackeys, oh, that fight scene is awesome. fucking awesome. Yeah, yes, really that fight scene cool is great. Because again, the, no CGI. It's, it's a all, throwback to the original. Yeah, it's, you can yeah. tell it's a bunch of wire work. Yeah, and it's heavy on the weapons, and, and you, they're destroying and you, the set. I was gonna yeah, say, and, and really you, cool. you can even tell like there are certain things that they kind of like ignored which like if you pay attention you notice but like again it, it doesn't matter because it's practical and it's awesome like the yeah. one the most noticeable element is when he's he puts the sword through the one guy and he kicks him through um the the what uh, you would assume is some sort of stone railing right that's what it looks like marble or whatever the, right you, you see, see the, the holes yeah. in the in what is like obviously yeah. some sort of styrofoam like whatever and it's so noticeable but you just don't care right because it's a practical effect and everything else about that fight scene is so epic you just don't care they like oh, Oh my god, that's fucking styrofoam! Like, <laughs> yeah, and we've talked a lot about how in those movies you get introduced to the larger world of the Matrix itself, and and like the idea of programs having different um, allegiances, having their own agendas, being yeah. some programs kind of being their own resistance within within the the program world. Yeah, what you also get to see is you get to see a lot more of of the resistance. You see multiple ships, you see Zion itself, all that stuff, and you get to see that see the idea that oh, not everybody is as religious if you will right as not everyone yeah. believes right. in the one right the which idea is, of the one which is why i'd like uh, kristen to play clip number three please you just 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 out of nowhere just like hey christian play this one clip i we haven't talked about clips in a minute i trust in your ability <laughs> to do your job well there you go god damn it morpheus not everyone believes what you believe my beliefs do not require them to which is the most line. pretentious asshat way to 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 like address that that question? He's just like, yeah, "Fuck you, I don't care." Yeah, yeah like, but I love it. Yeah, no, though. it's great. Yeah. It's true. Like, and that's yeah. really like, it's such like a a real part of like what religion is. And you're like, yeah, like, people don't need you to believe what they believe for them to believe what they believe. But it's also such a great little, and I, again, I don't know if the the Wachowskis were intending to do this, but for me. It's such a great little like uh, metaphor for the stupidity of organized religion because think about again, you know, as much as Morpheus right is like one of the heroes of this story, and he is right, right, and he and he is technically (laughs) ends up being correct. Well, he's right to an extent, right, with his whole with the whole Neo thing and the architecture. Yes, his uh, his understanding of the one is flawed, right, but this one is actually a real one. Right. But so my point is though, but just in in terms of a metaphor for like modern day religion or like religion throughout the ages, right? Think about how many people w- got killed because of Morpheus's beliefs and he was so like you said, my beliefs don't require you to. He's like, "Fuck you. I'm going to do whatever I want no matter yeah. what it costs and no matter how like which is, which is such a organized religion way of thinking like i'm right yeah. no matter what go fuck yourself because i believe in a higher power like it was yeah. a good little metaphor also it's very realistic in the sense that everybody who is in zion was a rebel yes. they exist there because they think differently right they escaped a system of control so obviously as much as the people in charge of zion you they have some sort of government they have a military hierarchy obviously it can't be as solidified as we would have in modern times now no, because sure. every person who is involved in in the resistance 
are a an independent contractor. They are a type of person who will not. They're an independent contractor. Yeah, they, they, they are. They don't want to be part of a system. So why would they join another system? So it makes a lot of sense that there would be a lot of you know captains who do you know because there's that one captain right at the beginning of the Reloaded who like just you know who 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 sides against the general to give Morpheus more time. Oh, oh yeah, ba- like, yeah, yeah. Ba- Ballard is great. Yeah, yeah. Ballard is great. Yeah. All, all these guys, like... Shit, so, I'll do it to see what Deadbolt yeah. does to you. Like, yeah. you wouldn't have that... Like, a modern sub-captain in the U.S. Navy wouldn't do that. Right. But oh. obviously, yeah. in a system like this, it's like, fuck it, you know? And like... Yeah, and what's the and, real consequence? Yeah. And, and Niobe, at the end, is just like, it's my ship, I'll do whatever I want yeah. with my ship, you know? Yeah. All these people, you know, like, they, and it would make sense. But it really... But it really and it really... See, even that, too, again, I don't know if this was intentional or not, yeah. That even that whole... Um, dynamic is a really good metaphor for the military in general because uh you know uh, deadbolt right as he is affectionately called yeah he he doesn't have the holes and the plugs right so he's never been on the same kind of missions that the captains of these ships are so he doesn't have the same perspective right that these guys do so they're like you said they're all rebels at the end of the day but it's so much more accepted for them to just be like no i'm going to do this because he as the leader of the military technically their boss he has no frame of reference though for what they're actually doing right yeah. And so yeah. And I, I was I was gonna say like but my when you when you talk about the Matrix Reloaded, it's like the Matrix Reloaded is the I look at the Matrix Reloaded as the same way I look at Amazing Spider Man two. It it it's not a bad movie, but it had so much more potential to be more than it actually was. Because like you said, it's the first time they really get into Zion and the yeah. idea that there are other ships like the um uh, like Morpheus's ship out there, um, and that there are other captains and other teams all working together as as one. But then, you know, they spend twenty five minutes on a like an underground dance scene which has no relevance to the rest of the movie. And then the entire fucking movie is about Neo. Like n- like they introduce you to all these characters very quickly and then nobody gets any like screen time except for Neo. Like the one time like Morpheus and, and Trinity don't do anything until the last act of the movie. Yeah. Like and it's cool when they finally do, but they become they become secondary, unimportant characters. And they, they, they resolve a lot of that in revolutions. Um but in reloaded, like they're just there. They're they're just like set pieces for the, most of the movie, and it's very annoying. <laughs> yeah, but in my opinion, yeah. I like I like Reloaded more than Revolutions. I feel like oh, very much. Reload, no, of course, Reloaded oh, has yeah, Reloaded has the oh, great yeah. ending. Yeah, the ending of Reloaded is of course um, the re- big reveal from our friend the architect, who concordantly vis a vis reveals <laughs> that um, the resistance is just another uh, part of the control, right? And that you know they needed to have some sort of even if it's un. Uh, completely unnoticed by some people, some sort of exit door, some sort of chance at freedom. Right, the idea of hope. Yes, mm-hmm. and hope for that. And so, and then, of course, this is the first time that the one doesn't do that, and that's because he's in love. Like, there is no Trinity equivalent, apparently, in all the other versions of the Matrix, or the other five. And then Revolutions ends with Trinity and Neo both dying. And then you think, oh, this series is over. And Neo dies to take out Agent Smith. Yeah. You know, because he can't. And then this is the point where I would warn Christian that I'd like to play clip four soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then clip four is going to be our um, our segue into the final part of this um, episode. This is going to be all about the Matrix Resurrection. Resurrection. Now what? Things have changed. The market's tough. I'm sure you can understand why our beloved parent company, Warner Brothers, has decided to make a sequel to the trilogy. They informed me they're going to do it with or without us. 
I know you said the story was over for you, but that's the thing about stories. They never really end, do they? We're still telling the same. Yeah. Wait, hang on. We have not yet properly shit on the Matrix revolutions yet. <laughs> well, I think we have to do it at the same time. At the same time, because revolutions... The only good parts of Revolutions were then yeah. ruined, in my opinion, by Resurrections. There, there was liked, nothing. There was nothing good about Revolutions except the, for like the, the finality suits, of the Neo and cool. Trinity dying. Yeah, that d- yes. dude. The <laughs> whole the whole them. scene yes. with like Bane and uh, like tr- with Neo getting his eyes mm-hmm. melted off. That was so dude, stupid. This is one of the most infuriating. All of that. This is one of the most infuriating parts of this movie series for me. Right. So oh, absolutely. They they talk about they talk about they they go at length actually of of all the things they don't explain. One of the things they do explain is how people get their their skills in the matrix right yes. and they get you know they can have any skill at any time uploaded to them right which makes a lot of sense and to your point earlier ed about the focus on hand to hand combat in like being the weapon of choice in the matrix universe how is it possible that the in the real world that their ability to remember even the most rudimentary knowledge of hand-to-hand combat just completely goes out the window that that fight between bane and neo is is are like two drunken retards from college fighting one another in a bar like it's just like it's horrible how are they not able to at least even remember how to throw a punch right they shouldn't be able to punch as hard or jump as high right they should still be able to jump and punch it's so infuriating especially especially when you consider the fact that neo in particular you see at the end of both in revolutions and reloaded the the skills are transferable, right? He's shooting down using his like whatever localized EMP power or whatever it is yeah. in the real world. How are none of the like that that fight scene just drives me up a freaking wall because it's like how are they not able to even at least remember the most basics basic knowledge of fighting? Like and as disappointing yeah. as an ending as that movie was to the trilogy, it was satisfying in the sense where okay, you know, people are seemingly going to be more free now zion is saved right trinity and neo are dead like it just seemed like for all its flaws it was a pretty satisfying ending yeah and then you get into resurrections and i will say the first 20 to 25 minutes of resurrections and i told this to anthony anthony yeah uh, like the first thing i walked out of the theater thinking was the first 20 to 25 minutes were perfect basically yeah, very yeah enjoyable. I, they really, were i i thought the whole movie was very very entertaining and very yeah. enjoyable i agree but specifically the first 20 to 25 minutes were amazing yeah. like because you because because you don't know wh- who is neo you have this morpheus like character you have this the module they're calling it this node where like it's a feedback loop that's similar to the matrix you're you're, you're seeing like people trapped within a program within a program you yourself don't know what's going on and then finally they save neo like up until when they save neo it's kind of perfect because you have that same sense from the first movie which even though they had some um like turning points or they had some surprises in reloaded and in revolutions it was the first time since the first movie where you have no idea what's going on you yeah. don't know what's going to happen yeah. next yeah it's sufficiently different and uh, and it gave enough callbacks and cues from the older movies, yeah. like the Return of the Merovingian. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think was Monica Bellucci in it too. No, she I don't not, believe not. So. Right? No, you you would have remember people yeah, remember seeing yeah, Monica Bellucci. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no, it, I mean, I it, it was um, a highly well, see, my, entertaining, highly enjoyable uh, movie, and my, it was extra meta, which, which of course we just talked about. In the yeah, yeah, my favorite part about the about resurrections was the concept that, and they, and I don't, at least for me, I don't think they really explained it. I only saw it once, but like the that they re-engineered essentially rebirthed Neo and Trinity into 100%. the Matrix, you, right? And you see, and you yeah. see like this like flashback where they they use a tremendous amount of technology to like rebuild their bodies, right? And yeah. then put them back into the yeah. Matrix because there's something about them, even if they're unconscious to the world itself, right? There's something about them as characters and figures that allows the world to exist. And it, it, it seems Which makes no sense. And no. it seems they've gone through but, a few different sort of iterations because this is like eighty years later, right? So it, it seems that they've tried and experimented with a few different yeah. ways to insert the one into the matrix, mm-hmm. right? Which sort of leads us to expanded universe for the matrix. Oh no. Because in reality, oh, what God. they could have done—I was hoping he forgot to about go this. back to a perfect universe—is they could have put the one inside of a dog. Airbud is the matrix. Do we have another bottle of wine? <laughs> or, Chris, Kristen, what's what, what's meth, our anything? What's our point in the uh, like like what, what what is what point are we right now? Yeah, we're at an hour seven. Hour and seven. All right, so immediately erase. We have we have twenty six. minutes. Hour yeah. Yes. Oh, no, don't worry. I will I will edit that out when I listen to it. <laughs> All right. So now that we've talked about that, I think now before Anthony goes too far off. Oh no. I think now now we get to let's talk about I'm gonna ask each and each of you two questions and that's sure. what we'll finish off. Okay. Ooh. I'll answer them my first. So Ooh, yeah. what was your favorite individual part of the entire Matrix canon? Okay. And secondly, what would you like to see next? Now I've already kind of said what I'd like to see next. I would love to see an Animatrix 2.0 and an Enter the Matrix video game 2, both of which would be connected as the other two were, and I would like them to take place in the intervening time between when uh, Neo died and when he um, left the Matrix. I'd love to see uh, the fall of Zion, uh, the rebirth of Io, the machine civil war, and I'd love to see, you know, like that ship that picks Neo up and like that whole cast of characters in um, that, you know, like th- that weren't really given their due in the Matrix. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Matrix yep. Resurrections. I'd love to see that ship. Like you play as a character on that ship, just as you play as Niobe. Niobe could still be in the video game because she's still in charge. Mm-hmm. I would just love to see that. So that's what I like to see. And for me, my favorite single piece of the Matrix is the detective story. Yeah. And I and I and if they make an Animatrix 2.0. I'd love to see another short set in that version of the Matrix, and maybe that can answer the question: Are there multiple Matrixes? Like, is there some yeah. fantasy? Ma- like, is there a Matrix that looks like the Middle Ages? Is there a Matrix that's set in the Roman times? Is there a Matrix that's set in the nineteen fifties? Is, is there a Matrix, there a Matrix? Set in the in the antebellum South? Is- like, there's a potential to like have these versions of the Matrix. Exist in different time periods. Yep. And yeah. and what would that be like? Air Bud. We already saw it. Air Bud. Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> he was experimenting with the 40s and was like, the 40s are fucking boring. Let's throw cartoons in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, what, where do you want to see it go next? And yeah. what would you like to see 
And what was your favorite? As, part? Yeah, yeah. What, and and what was your favorite uh, Matrix part? So, um, since you already technically said my favorite part, which is also a detective story, it just will... speaks to how everybody, if you haven't seen it, right. see it on HBO yeah, Max. Definitely. It's great. Yeah, I will. Um, I will give you my my second favorite part of the Matrix, um, mm-hmm. which is the fight scene. In... Oh, very specific. I love that. Yes the the fight scene between Neo and Agent Smith. In on the subway platform in the first movie yeah. is one of the best fight scenes for me, like of all time. Like it's an all timer, not just in terms of the fighting itself, um, but in terms of what it you know when it took place in the story, what it meant to the story. You know that he's right. starting to believe, right? But also one thing that really stood out for me in that fight scene was the sound editing. The 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 sound of the blows hitting each person and the, the the fighting was just struck me and to this day it still does strike me as very different than what you commonly hear sound editing for fight scenes in in kung fu movies. It was a weird blend of old school Hong Kong cinema kung fu and the more modern um let's call it like visceral sound effects you see in like in like fighting scenes or whatever right. that, that scene will always stand out for me um forever it's just such an incredible scene so where i want to see it go is um yes i want to see all that in between stuff but for me i want to see the story continue um with like a new cast new people yes because so so they've already you know for better or worse They've already taken it to this point where we we have a new Matrix, right, and a new Agent Smith and a new Morpheus, right, but still the old Neo and the old Trinity, right? I want to see the story continue. Like, what is the next logical step? Because one of the things that, you know, that I found very interesting, you know, about the ending of the first one was that Trinity is also now the one or a one, right? And They're the two Like, they're the two, right? Like, (laughs) you know, so... So, which again, awesome, but completely scraps the whole first three element. I'm sorry, the first the element of the first three movies about how there is the one and then the prophecy, right? Now, I will just interject briefly. Yes. So the idea is in all the other previous versions of the Matrix, right? The one ends up reforming Zion and kind of like surrendering to the system, right? Because he has no connection really to the world, right? But there is something special established in the Matrix Reloaded about Trinity because he has somebody to save. Right, she's he taken goes, him away from that. Yeah, so there is this idea that's that's you know germinated in the Matrix Reloaded that she there's something special about her that she is something unique to this version of the Matrix. Oh yeah, which causes everything else. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and I totally agree. And, I, and I'm not and I'm not saying I, I dislike the fact that they made her. A one and one and one also, you know, like I just want to see that continue. Like how does that idea that there are now two, right? Because again, going back to what we've always talked about, the whole concept of the one is another system of control. Yes. So why would the machines, it begs the question, why would the machines allow there to be a second one who seemingly is more powerful than the initial versions of right. the one, right? So I want to see that story continue. I don't know what the best way to do that is, but I want to see that story continue. Like what if, right, you know, what if they, the the, the two, right, what if Keanu, uh, uh, Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss, what if they bang and have a child, right? Is the third, right? Is it like a hybrid Saiyan, like Gohan? Like you have yeah. extra special potential, well, you thing. know? Like, it would be a child yeah. born outside the Matrix, so would they have to give it 
but can you have a child? But so other people can have children born inside the matrix. Can they? What if they have a child inside but the fi- matrix? Because they had it be a completely digital creation. Well, because they hadn't really. Yeah, like. Oh, that's they, what I'm saying. Yeah, I like this. I right? like this. Like then, like because the, because then in theory, if the two ones create life inside of the matrix as opposed to outside the matrix because they can go in either section, that entirely. Essentially, it was entirely a digital creation that should be like your super user, right? And then, like well, yeah. they have the ability to do everything. <laughs> and then the story point being that they can never fully protect their child because the child has to exist within the matrix. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And they can't stay in the matrix forever. They got to jack out at some point. I love it. Yeah. Anthony. Yeah. So uh, by far, mm-hmm. my favorite part of the entire matrix. Trilogy or, or entire universe. It's called is, cinematic uh, universe. Yeah, the cinematic <laughs> was um, or canon. From, if you look from at the coaster from start to finish, uh, when Neo is leaving the Oracle, going all the way to uh, when they rescue Morpheus. Nice, right? So the whole elevator scene, that whole lobby scene, the you know, all right, what do you need? Guns, lots of guns, <laughs> like that whole thing where where Morpheus gets captured. Um, they have to pull Neo out of the Matrix. Then he goes back in to in order to save Morpheus, right? right? And he's got to make that decision because whether or not he believes that he is the one. Um, the well, whole spinny, you know, like camera angle that was the, the first, the first we saw. real bullet time. Like, yeah. yeah. It was the whole thing was so cool, and then like the ever expanding explosion, like when the helicopter bou- bounces into the building, like the whole thing. Yeah, that whole like awesome. they never explain why it ripple. I love yeah. that it does, but they never. Well, it's because that. Neo's the one, uh-huh. so he makes it ripple in order to be able to save Trinity. No, that's not the way I viewed that. I viewed that as because I the way I viewed that is you could be right, but the way I always interpreted that was because. The machines were not used to that level of um, destruction, if you will, being caused by uh, you know the outside people or whatnot. Um, I always view that as the machines, the system, reacting to a way to kind of minimize the damage of what it is. It's almost, it's almost like it was hitting a pillow, right? Yeah. You know, like or, or that, water. Yeah, that's the way I kind of always looked at that. Yeah. But either either yeah. way, honestly, works. I always but viewed, I always it, as viewed it as like that. As yeah, a glitch. It's exactly. Yeah. Like. Is that like because the system was not prepared to handle that level of destruction? Right. <laughs> yeah. And more importantly, the system was designed to to always be something that was somewhat predictable. Right. Right. And so, like, it's almost like if you're rendering or buffering something, you're right. playing online. How often like, does a helicopter yeah. crash right. like, sideways into a building yeah, like there's that? There's <laughs> no way they could have prepared for him beating an agent like that. Exactly. Not being yeah. shot. Yeah. And then saving more. The system is no, buffering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 And then where would I like to see it go from here? Uh, same as you. I'd, I I think it would be really, really cool to be able to see a video game that is like more of an RPG style open world matrix video game with bullet time and everything else. Playing as an agent again, I think. Right. Like you can't play as Neo. No, play, you can't play, play as Neo. Play, play, I, as, I would, play as my either resistance or agent. I would say that way playing there are as like a regular person right. who wakes up in the matrix. Oh, like from the beginning an original character like a new character yeah, and, like you, a and new you do character. that whole training montage where yep. you learn and then you become better exactly at, you become that better would be at fucking dope yeah that would be dope. so it's almost um, yeah. like like you were just talking about right where you need a different iteration of the one 
that's exactly the character you would play. You'd play the one, but you're 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 just waking up and realizing right. that you're the one. And yep. they could be a member of that crew that we just saw in the Resurrections. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, yeah. I feel like we know where to go next. Uh, Warner yeah. Brothers, next time you want a strong arm with Wachowski into making a movie, just call us instead. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it better. I, and I love that clip because... It'll be a heck of a lot better than Jupiter Ascending, that's for oh. sure. It's so clear that, like, from that clip that that uh, she made this movie under duress. <laughs> like, that was, that was, like, very much oh, yeah. like Lana saying to them, I did this because, oh, yeah. because I was I got afraid a, I got what somebody else would do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because there were, you know, there, there were... Other movies in development and all this stuff. So, all right, great. So, so that's it, guys. I feel like we've uh, tackled yeah. the the Matrix world. Um, Nailed it. You know, if we've missed anything, if there's anything that you, any theories that somebody else has, please reach out to us on social and media. And don't come at us with the Matrix is the Terminator or anything else because we talked about Airbud. that in our no Airbud is the Matrix. <sighs> anyway, uh, uh, we talked about it in our Terminator episode. We talked about it in our Blade Runner episode. Right? Yeah. So don't come at us with like, they're oh, they're similar. They're, the they're similar. Is the Matrix. Yeah. But they're not. The same. We know. <laughs> and, and so, so that's it. So guys. So uh, until next time, Ahmed. I'm Matt. And I'm Anthony. And this is Is Cannon Cannon Fodder. Fodder.